Have you ever found yourself wondering, what else can I listen to on the Osiris Network? Here's another great podcast you can check out. Hey, this is God We Evan. Uh, we are a podcast where uh, three friends force another friend, Evan. Hi. To listen to a band he doesn't want to listen to. Ween. It's a journey. It's wonderful. It's funny. And it's filled with great music. Except for the ween. <laughs> And the journey. <laughs> and the friends. So listen to it. Or oh. don't. That's what I wanted to do. Only on the Osiris Podcast Network. Dot com. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Female Centrics. We are the first and only female-hosted fish community podcast. I'm Donnie B, and today, actually, my husband, Jason, sitting in with us. Hi, Jason. Hmm. Awesome. Super awesome, because... So we are rolling into episode 55, and today... We are going to be interviewing the one and only Chris France, who is the drummer for the Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club, and married to the one and only Tina Weymouth. And he is putting out a book July 21st called Remain in Love. I got a little YouTube thing showing that here. So I have to say, I mean, you know, Donnie B. Blabs. Donnie B. Blabs a lot about fish and a lot about everything. And I just happen to be blabbing at the right time. So, so, and I think I called you, Jason, right away. So I was somebody that I was working with and I was talking about how I interviewed Eric Gold, the bass player from Pink Talking Fish, and he was very interested. And so I explained who Pink Talking Fish are, which is the Pink Floyd Talking Heads fish cover band. And he kind of had, you know, gave me a look or whatever. And that's when he told me he was really good friends with Chris. And I had that like Elaine moment and in Seinfeld, I was like, shut up, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, you know, he was able to hook up the interview and it turns out that he is releasing these book, uh, this book of memoirs, which will be out on July 21st called a remain in love. And uh, I was sent his, sent the the copy of it, so I've been reading it, and it's just an amazing story about, you know, the beginning of Chris's life, him meeting Tina and David at Rizzi, and and this beautiful love that was between that is between both of them, as well as, uh, you know. The beginning of of new age music and and their influence on hip hop and so yeah so this, so this is just a big one for us um, and yeah so uh, Jason what do you think uh, I'm just happy to be here I think he was a sweetheart mm-hmm. um, really easy to talk to really excited we uh, spoiler alert we try to convince him to come to a fish show with us he's coming with us you guys we're gonna bring him um really interesting really fun to talk to mm-hmm. um and i mean his music means a lot to us mm-hmm. and uh i think it means a lot to the people in the scene 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I think it's interesting. It's a good mm-hmm. listen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I did reach out to a few people within our community. So I do want to thank um, Tom Marshall because he helped to add some ideas for uh, an idea for questions, as well as Jesse Braun, who is the drummer from the uh, Talking Heads cover band called Start Making Sense. And Zach Berwick, who is the drummer for Pink Talking Fish, as well as Ari Fink, who is the uh, runs the um, Fish Radio on XM, and our our own Dr. Stephanie Jenkins, because just love her. So she had some great uh, questions to add in here as well. So they're sort of all mixed in with all the rest of the questions. We only had an hour with them, but we are psyched to be able to have that time with him and. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, reminder that we are part of the Osiris podcast network. So if you want to check out more podcasts, go to OsirisPod.com. And we're about to just lead into a quick little commercial with my friend, Abby and Shannon Moran's yoga studio called Indigo Wellness. And she'll tell you all about how to find them, but I just wanted to give them a quick little, uh, spot here on female centrics because, Oh my goodness. She puts me to sleep every night. Well, I know I'm supposed to be like sitting up with this meditation, but she does those amazing body scans and they're about 20 minutes long. And those are free on their website, but they also have online uh, yoga classes as well. So listen to this next uh, video here and our voice clip and uh, check them out. Hey, Female Centrics fans, this is Abby Webster Moran, co-owner of Indigo Wellness Studios. We're located in Moline, Illinois, but thanks to technology, you can surrender to the flow with us online. Enjoy private yoga one-on-one or with your group with us from anywhere in the world and enjoy free resources on our Facebook page. Visit our website at www.indigowellness.info and find yourself inside. All right, we are back with um, Chris Franz, who is the drummer from the Talking Heads, as well as Tom Tom Club. And he just is about to release July 21st, um, which I got this in the mail yesterday, Chris, so thank you. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, his book, Remain in yeah. Love. Yeah, it looks fantastic. So I've been going riffing off of the um, the white one, and this one is like the gold one that stays on the shelf. <laughs> don't lend that one out. <laughs> nice, nice cover. Yeah, right. I know. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Thank you Don. Yeah, and it's nice. Nice to do female things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely. And uh, joining us today um, as uh, my like Artie Lang, we like to call him, is a, oh <laughs> but he's not really like that. But my husband Jason. <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, how are you? It's it's so glad to have you here uh, on the show. Thank uh, you, Jason. It's a great pleasure. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you before we start, your music has made me dance more than maybe 90 95% of the rest of the music in the world. That's like an instant dance party. <laughs> well, that makes me very happy. That you know, that's that's the desired effect, you know. I'm not sure if she told you, but um our first dance was to uh this must be the place. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I think Don did mention that. That's yeah. that's an excellent choice. Yeah. yeah, it holds a very special heart. Well, yeah. Yeah, an okay special spot. Oh, oh yeah, just just yeah. okay. <laughs> just kidding. It's 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 so beautiful. Yeah, it really so is. So glad to have you. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful song. Yeah, I, I, I do say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, when I found out this opportunity to interview you, I've you know I've you know. I, I talk about my tail wagon. I get all excited about these things. And, uh, and so, you know, people who don't necessarily know fish that well, but obviously know talking heads or Tom, Tom club, uh, you know, they're like, what you're doing a fish podcast. You know, why, how are you interviewing, you know, Chris Franz and, and, um, it's such an influence on music genres all around the world, but like, especially with the rock and roll piece, you know? So I'm like, well, this is perfect. We're going to connect and, and talk about, um, all of the things. So, so this is why I was able to like, you know, fit you in on the, the fish podcast here. So yeah, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that, that fish and talking heads have a, uh, symbiotic relationship absolutely absolutely i'm not sure there would be a fish without a talking head yeah yeah no 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 yeah they speak of it often but um so i'm gonna jump into this amazing book of yours and and again this i'm i just feel really special that i was able to you know read all this and and get into it before for even you know it was released and and before we talking to you so Um, you know, one of the things, I mean, just across the board while I'm reading your book is how much your ability to recall names and dates and details of stories is unbelievable. So, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I, so we, I, um, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, people ask me, did I keep a journal? or a diary. And, and I'm, I'm still kicking myself that I did not. Mm. I, I knew I should be the whole time. I said, you, you should be keeping a journal, Chris. <laughs> and I would, sometimes I would even go out and buy one, but then I would not journal, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, but, but fortunately my memory is still pretty darn good. And, mm. uh, also, also I was able to uh, borrow Tina's date books. They were not, uh, not diaries or journals, but they were date books that like you buy at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, sure. And they have King Tut on the cover or, or <laughs> Matisse or something. Uh-huh. So, so I, um, she had one of those for each year mm-hmm. in the late seventies, early eighties. And she kept, uh, like the name of the venue, the amount of people that showed up and bought tickets, uh, whether she thought it was a good show or a bad show, and um, how many encores we got. 
because we always measured like the success of the show by how many times they ask us back. Yeah, yeah. And and so I had that to go on, which was very helpful. Mm-hmm. That, then I would, she would say like, a wonderful gig, uh, you know, uh, three encores, dinner after the show, and, and um, or she would say, terrible night, never come back to this place again. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Right? So, so with those books, is that primarily how you, you know, were able to start this process and, and of creating this? Yeah. Well, I, you know, my, um, my agent said, Chris, you gotta, we need three things, an outline, a synopsis and three chapters. They don't have to be long, just Mm -hmm. three chapters. And so I did that. And, uh, uh, that's how I got started, but I did do an outline very, very, you know, not a very detailed outline, but Mm -hmm. just like, what happened in different years. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> but it helped me get a book deal. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you're good. You're good there. <laughs> and yeah. a spot on female centrics. What? <laughs> so, you know, um, so, oh, hang on a second. That, that's my, uh, sorry, somebody's okay. messaging me. Okay. I apologize. That's all right. <laughs> so, you know, the a good portion of your book at the very beginning, and I loved how you went about this. So you were born May 8th of 1951. And yeah. yeah, in the deep South. So my mother is from Arkansas. She was born just two years earlier uh-huh. than you. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, and you seemed like you were, you know, really enamored by music and it really grasped you, you know, grabbed you as an early, you know, at a very young age. Um, so did your parents have a lot of music playing or did they play instruments in the house while you were young? And is this something that kind of got you going or how you, what sort of influenced you, know, you in your own uh, choices? Ne- neither of my parents were musicians mm-hmm. and, uh, they didn't they didn't sing around the house or anything like that either but but they were a, real appreciators of music and they would go to like well they they collected a few records they had a whole lot of great from when they were younger uh calypso records and uh mambo records when because they they lived for a while in Puerto Rico oh yeah in fact in fact i think i was conceived in Puerto Rico <laughs> there you but, go but but uh, those were like seventy eights. Mm-hmm. They gave them to me at a at a certain point. Seventy eight lacquers. You know that if you dropped the them, they would ones. shatter. Oh, they do shatter. Yeah. They do yeah. shatter. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but they would also they would go to the symphony. You know, and they uh, they they like to watch music on TV. You know, Ed Sullivan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And. Um, they weren't cornball, like they didn't watch Lawrence Welk or anything no. like that. <laughs> so, so there was some little style in there as far as, and then, but world beats though too, which, you know, that's something that yeah. a lot of people say about your drumming, you know, and, and yeah. talking heads in general, you know? So I, I found it really interesting to really, how much of, um, how much time you put into the book as far as really where you came from. And uh-huh. the amount of mu- uh, the amount of musicians you named off, and 
you know, like your first record, for instance, uh, was the big bad John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the first record I bought. Yeah. By Jim, Jimmy Dean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was it's it about awesome. that, that like pulled you into it? Well, um, it's, it's a funny story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living in, in, in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, I had just recently moved there to this subdivision that had, had a lot of families, a lot of children. So there were, there were a lot of kids my age and we used to, you know, do stuff the kids do. <laughs> and, but one interesting thing was there was this one kid I wish I could remember his name. I can't, but it, but I remember what he could do. And he, he could really sing. He was a kid who could really sing mm. uh, um, like a professional. <laughs> and uh, everybody was really impressed. But he was terribly shy also. So w- <laughs> what he used to do is, it's so funny, he used to sit in the bushes with a hose. Like... <laughs> A garden hose, and he would sing into the hose, and the rest of us, you know, however long it was, maybe 50 feet away, could have the hose up to our ear and hear what he was singing. And one day, he sang Big Bad John, and I thought, damn, that's a good song. And he would sing it again. If you say, one more time, he would do it again, you know, he like never got tired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but always in the bushes, though. Never like I'm going to get on stage. Did he ever end up doing anything with himself at all? You know, I at this point I was in the second grade. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, so I, we kind of lost touch with each other. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know, I, I moved. He I probably he moved, but he was he was an amazing. Had an amazing voice for such a young kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, the, I guess it was the next day. I, I got on my uh, bike and I rode to the department store. We didn't really have a a record store, but we had a department store with a record department. And I went in there and I asked for Big Bad John. And the lady said, oh, you know, that's the number one song in the country today. And I said, cool, I'll take it. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Wore that one right down there. You don't see too many hose acts these days. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Unfortunate. The, the, the hose in the bush act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you were talking about when your family moved to Pittsburgh, how you, you started at a new school, which is a Shady Side Academy, where yeah. it seemed to have that kind of like cool, you know, beatnik thing introduced to you for the first time. And you discussed um, how some of these classes really changed your life. But there was one in particular, which is an art class by David Miller. That one in particular, you really noted, changed your life. So what, like, how old were you when you met him? And in what context did it, why was it that significant of a um, I think, I believe I I was 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in my... Let's see. I, I was in my uh, junior year, junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I just I just uh, gotten my driver's license. And uh, I took this class called Studio Art. You know, you, you could sign up for there were certain things that were required. And then there were electives. And I thought, Studio Art, that sounds good. I, I like to draw. Mm-hmm. I'll, t- I'll try that. 
And so I, I walked in and uh, David Miller was the teacher. After, after this particular school, he taught for many years at, at um, oh, it's, it's in Sarasota. Um, uh, New York? Sarasota, New York. Yeah. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. a famous college there that he, he taught painting for many years. But he was teaching studio art and he, um, he happened to be in the Army Reserve. And my father was active in the Army Reserve. And he, so when I came in, he said, Chris France, are you related to Colonel France? And I, my father was a colonel at the time. And, and I said, yes. He said, he's a good man. I like Colonel France. And so we, I thought, great. This was during in- the middle. <laughs> this was during the, during the middle of the Vietnam War. And there was a lot of anti-military feeling you know, uh, uh, particularly among students. And so uh, I, I didn't usually talk about my yeah. military background. Depends on who's asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It depends on who's asking. Uh, but this guy was cool about it. And, and he opened up this whole new world to me, which is the world of contemporary art. Um, i had been exposed to uh, the, you know, the Impressionists, uh, the Romantics, the classical arts, all of that. But uh, I'd never really been, I didn't know anything about contemporary art, except for Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. I knew about Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. and um, That's pretty funny I, coming from you, <laughs> <laughs> I must say. So, so he taught, taught me about uh, people like Robert Rauschenberg who later did an album cover for Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he taught me about Willem de Kooning. Uh, he taught me about Mondrian and uh, Christo and Ed Ruscha and all these great artists mm-hmm. that, that were alive. And I thought, oh, artists that are actually alive and doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Cool. Uh, I thought I would like to be one of those people. Sure. And so uh, I got into painting, really, I really got into it. And uh, he was like my guide and my teacher. And he was, some people say you can't teach art, but I believe that some people can. And he was one of them. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it was a... Uh, a, a great experience for me and I ended up ended up uh, well he recommended that I go to the Rhode Island School of Design yeah. in Providence Rhode Island and and my my parents were like oh Chris uh, how will you ever support yourself <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I just give know, me a, yeah give it's, me a few years now <laughs> it's a, it's a legitimate concern you know when you're talking about being a, an artist because there's there's certainly no guarantees. And uh, uh, Mr. Miller, David Miller, said to my parents, well, you know, Rhode Island School of Design is not just any art school. It's the Harvard of art schools. And uh, my parents... RISD. Yeah, yeah RISD. And my parents said, oh, the Harvard of art schools. That's okay. That's, That's fine. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He'll be and, fine uh, if he goes there. <laughs> Was there yeah, music so went, involved in the class or was it all your normal painting, sculpture, things of that nature? 
Um, I'm sorry, the beginning of your question what was... was there music involved with uh, oh, Mr. We, Miller? Uh, uh, we would listen to records and also the radio while we painted. And, and so it, it was a pretty good-sized room, that, that painting studio, and he would, he, would ha- he would always have music on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one second here. All right. So uh, when you headed off to Rizzi, so you had you had started playing the trumpet and you had moved into the drums because the trumpet you couldn't really make it work, right? <laughs> when you were that's, a kid, that's correct. Oh, yeah. it, it wasn't trumpet was not happening for me. Nope. <laughs> so Thank you started God. that. Yeah, I know. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you probably could have made the work, but no, we'll go with yeah, the drums. whatever. Yeah, whatever. We'll yeah. Drums. <laughs> so, um, you know when. Uh, you, um, you know, so you, when you went to Riz, when you went to Rizzi is when, you know, like explosions happened because this is where obviously you met Tina and you met David and, and you really started getting into playing music and whatnot. Um, I'll say that the one thing I really love about this book is the, the subtitle with Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club and Tina and how you named yep. it Remain in Love. and. I am like the biggest mushy face love person of all time. I can attest to that. (laughs) So well, I I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So so uh, I love how you tied, you know, Tina in with your your bands because I know that can be difficult for uh, musicians. Uh, who don't have a partner that's not playing music because it really is like the mistress, you know, the music is like the mistress sort of thing, but you've been able to, you know, have Tina part of that the whole time. So, yeah. um, can we back up for a second? Yes. When did you, how, how did you meet Tina? Yes. Well, that's what I was just going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I met Tina. Um, one day I was sitting in this little park that's in the center of the RISD campus where everybody walks by and uh, it's, it's on a corner. Mm-hmm. And um, Tina came, well, I was sitting there with a, a friend who was one of the models, uh, one of the artist models, his name was Charlie the Model. <laughs> he was a big, big tall, barrel-chested guy. Sure. And when he wasn't modeling, which he, <laughs> you know, he, he, would, wear, he would wear overalls. I was sitting with Charlie in this, we called it the RISD Beach, this little park. And it was the beginning of the school year, the, uh, my sophomore year, my second year there. And um, sitting there talking to Charlie, and all of a sudden this girl comes whizzing by on a, on a yellow, like an old yellow, what we, we used to call an English bike, a three-speed bicycle. And uh, she had the seat up real high and uh, so you could her legs were extended uh, you know and uh, as she pedaled by and the wind was blowing her hair and I thought holy mackerel Mm -hmm. um and I said Charlie did you see her and Charlie said oh that's my friend Martina (laughs) Uh, and Charlie (laughs) call everybody he knew my friend you know Mm -hmm. was his friend and and so I th- I thought Martina, I've got to get to meet Martina somehow, and 
The next day, I had a, a figure painting class taught by a guy named Richard Merkin. Richard Merkin is quite famous because he's, he's no longer alive, but he was one of the characters on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Wow. Because the, the artist, uh, Peter Blake, who did that album cover for the Beatles, uh, was friends with Richard Merkin, so he put him in there next to Muhammad Ali, I think. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, Richard Merkin was quite a fl flamboyant character, and uh, he, ta he taught a great figure painting class. Mm -hmm. And um, this was the first day, and I went in and I set, you know, had my, set up the easel, set up my canvas, got got out my paint box, and I noticed. The far end of the room, there was Martina. Yay! Yeah, and guess I, I thought, better go sit next to her. <laughs> I thought, how am I gonna? How am I gonna introduce myself? How should I just? I mean, of course, I could have just walked up and said, "Hi, my name is Chris," but I had to. I had to think, you know. And, and um, this friend of mine, who was uh, uh, kind of a nut. I guess you could say, said he walked up to Tina at the end of the class and looked at her painting and said, obviously, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and my, I was appalled. Yeah. <laughs> said, but I thought, okay, here's my chance. And I, I walked up to Tina and I said, I'm sorry for my friend. Obviously, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, uh, I introduced myself and uh, we got to know each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you mean to tell me Charlie, yeah. the model in overalls said, Oh, that's my friend Martina. And here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quite something. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, once, once you guys met and, and, you know, connected, it was pretty immediate. You was just the really in love really quickly. Well, well, she, she had another boyfriend when we first met and oh, okay. I had, a, <laughs> yeah. and I had a, another girlfriend, mm -hmm. but, um, it took a while, but it was great because we became friends before we became, uh, romantically linked. Yes, 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 know? yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and you know, shortly after meeting, uh, Tina, you met David Byrne. And so, you know, one of the, that I was going to say before with Tina, which you, you had, we had talked about, but you know, how did you first meet David? And then what was your first impression of him? And is this something you guys just started to, you know, play music together right away? And did you both have the same drive to create a band and be, you know, uh -huh. world famous rock stars? <laughs> well, well, I think, I, I think we we uh, we both wanted to be uh, you know serious musicians and artists. Mm -hmm. I don't think we, at that time we were we were really completely separating music from visual art. Sure. Uh, the two the two went hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But but um, I had known David from. Uh, I take. Let me start again. I had seen David on campus because he was um our freshman year he was he was enrolled in the school and he uh but he looked completely different he had a very long 
sort of Rasputin type, type beard and a short haircut that he clipped himself. So it was all like really choppy. Yeah. And he wore kind of, he wore uh, like thrift store clothes, like sort of like a lumberjack would wear. <laughs> and uh, Is this the early and, 70s? This was 1970, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't have any classes with David. So although I would see him around, I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> then uh, I, guess, I guess it was my, uh, my junior year, a friend of ours um, uh, named Mark Kehoe was making a student film about his girlfriend getting run over by a car. And he, and he needed some music for, for the event where she gets run over. All right, students. What I want is something really dissonant and cacophonous that rises, crescendos, and then diminuendo. And then someone gets run over. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. He knew I played drums, and he mm-hmm. said, uh, I'm going to bring a friend who also plays guitar. And I said, fine, good. And I said, let's meet at uh, where my drums are, which is at Tina's carriage house, where Tina was living. She was nice enough to let me keep my drums there. And <clears throat> so uh, Mark came over with this guy named David Byrne, and we... we uh, said hello i said oh yeah david had changed a lot he was now he now had this bleached blonde hair you know and black eyebrows and black five o'clock shadow and uh he was like how old were we yeah uh hmm 21 yeah 20 21 or so sure 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 early college Mm -hmm. young adults Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um uh, we did the we did the music for Mark. By the way, he do, he do, he doesn't remember any of it. Who does he, it? Mark. Mark. Who doesn't I, remember. I, when I wanted to fact check this story, fact check this story, I called up Mark and I said, "Hey, Mark, remember when you introduced me to David Byrne and we did this?" He's like, "What? I don't remember that." <laughs> Just throw the unimportant things out. What? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we we did we did the uh, the music for Mark, and afterwards I I said to David, you know, you know I've been start I've been thinking of uh, starting a band uh, here at at RISD to you know play at parties and things. Would you be up for that? And he said, Yeah, I can play other things than just this. And and uh, I said, Great. And we started this little band called the Artistics. Where'd you with, come up uh, with that that name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out we couldn't use it uh, because uh, an R and B group had already re- recorded under that name back yes. in the yes, back in the I think the fifties, maybe the early sixties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who yeah. who came up with the Talking Heads? Well, it was a friend of ours from RISD uh, who was visiting. His name was Wayne Zeve. Hmm. Wayne also wrote the lyrics to Artists Only, which he gave to us to use. And uh, Wayne was visiting us on the Lower East Side, staying in our loft with us. And he said, you know, I was reading TV Guide 
And TV Guide has a glossary um, of uh, te te television technology terms. Okay. Uh, uh, one of the terms for the technicians was, was talking head, which meant like you're seeing right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Broadcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's known as the uh, most boring, but also the most informative format. <clears throat> gotcha. So we said, talking heads, that sounds good. Yeah. And, and we ended up, we ended up using that name yeah. and, uh, All right. you know, had, had a good run with it. All right. I think <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of Female Centrics is brought to you by Section 119. 119 was founded by their two friends, Bob and Greg, who met in 2006. Since then, they've added their buddy Jake to customer services and their friend Shiv, who works on the designing. Total, they've been to over 400 shows, so they really do know what kids want on lot. They started off by making custom suits in New York City and slowly started to play with the dodent pattern, which of course. <laughs> and uh, then they started making all kinds of different things. So since then, the Grateful Dead has approached them to be an officially licensed partner. Fishman wears uh, their board shorts under his muumuu, and Mickey Wee Hart wears the socks. Not too shabby. They sell all sorts of stuff from dress shirts with subtle hints of donut patterns, casual shirts, Henleys, sunglasses, blazers with donuts and dead themes, socks, boxers, wallets, all sorts of things. So if you go to section119.com, that's section119.com, and enter the code FEMALECENTRICS, with a PH, of course, upon checkout, you'll get 20% off your first purchases. They've shifted their immediate attention to making masks, partially to keep afloat during this time of uncertainty, but mainly to help protect the community. Their enti our entire community is based on hugs and high fives and hoods, all great vehicles for Corona. Therefore, they're currently offering donut masks and dead bandanas to help stop the spread. For every order, they're donating a mask for a community to a community in need. They're working their way down this list of essential workers, homeless shelters, and rehab centers. Some really, really great stuff going on here. So, once again, we check these guys out. Section 119, that's section119.com. Enter the code FEMALECENTRICS with a PH, of course, upon checkout, and you'll get 20% off. Thanks, guys. We are back with Chris France at, from Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club uh, discussing his new book, Remain in Love. So yes. we're really talking about the early beginnings, the really early stages of when you met um, Tina and you met David and how Talking Heads were. Uh, I'm sorry. Hang on one second. Oh, sorry. There we go. Okay. There we <laughs> Didn't, go. Lost you there for a second. All right. <laughs> How about this? Hey, there How about we go. This? Yes. Woo! We'll just put that on there. There you go. 
Yeah. yeah. The matching it's books. So what, what year was that photo taken? This photo is taken by a fellow named Jimmy DeSena, who took the first photos of Talking Heads. And this this would have been in, I think this would have been in 77, uh, maybe 76, but probably oh, 77. Years? Well, yeah, so that, well, that's yeah. what I was just going to start to get into. So after Rizzy, you guys left there and the three of you moved to New York City when yeah. it was the Lower East Side, when it was really, really, uh, you know, rough area. And it was rough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for like understatement. <laughs> it was like, you know, with the book you were talking about. Um, it, was, it was so rough that I would actually be happy when I saw a police car come by. <laughs> yeah. Think, oh, somebody's, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was like the frontier for us, you know, and, uh, we, uh, we were, we were not alone. I mean, Blondie lived one block away Mm. and a couple of the Ramones lived three blocks away and CBGB's was three and a half blocks away. And Ornette Coleman was one block away. And so it was, it was like, there was a whole scene, Mm -hmm. not that you could, tell if you were driving down the street or or walking down the street you wouldn't think oh there's all these geniuses living here right yeah exactly there's the birth of some new musical movement it was like it was like it was like hell you know (laughs) with the um, the bums we -hmm. called them bums back then Mm -hmm. um uh directing traffic and teetering out into the middle of the oncoming cars drunk out of their minds and and prostitutes and uh yeah uh, you know guys (laughs) guys guys in the park across the street from us uh with their conga drums and bongos playing like all night long oh wow and and, uh you know it, it really got to be you know, if you had no air conditioning and had to have the windows open, which we did, yeah, at night it was uh, it was kind of like living in a <laughs> a hellhole. <laughs> so, did you, did you guys start doing like or playing gigs in in college at RISD, or did you say, "Oh no, we got to take this act to New York"? Uh, no, we 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 went to New York after graduation mm-hmm. and. Uh, and actually, I went home to Pittsburgh to work a job uh, painting a mural so that I could make enough money. It was a mural for a, a hospital. And, uh, so I could make enough money to uh, get started in New York. Mm. You- it's a good thing I did because, uh, you know, things were cheap back then, but not, not, they weren't free. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Of course. So when you moved into the neighborhood now, was the, was CBGB's like your local place you guys started hanging out at or was it you approached? Yes. It yes, yes. Okay. And yeah. the Ramones were already playing there, correct? Yep. The and- Ramones, television, Patty Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Wayne County. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else was already playing there? Uh, Mink DeVille, mm-hmm. 
do you remember them? Mink I, DeVille, they were pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it, while I was reading this book, I honestly had to have my phone with me and just, I, I was just constantly looking up, you know, on YouTube, the different, you know, uh-huh. uh, people you were mentioning. Cause I just, there was a lot of names that I, you know, I was unaware of. Um, and when you guys moved in, when you guys moved there, Tina hadn't joined the band yet and she hadn't started playing any instruments, correct? That's correct. Yes. So you guys, like, what made her, because I know you were pretty adamant, like, you're going to join the band, you're going to join the band. Like, what was it that, you know, changed? I really really wanted her to join the band, but she she felt that that was probably not a good idea Mm -hmm. uh, for several different reasons. (laughs) Um, And and she she was probably right, you know, like, but I kept thinking, there's exceptions to the rule, you know. and uh, I think she saw David and I trying to um, trying to get it together, you know, try to get the band together, just the two of us, like trying and not meeting anybody who had a, a similar aesthetic, not meeting anyone who would be the right person to mm-hmm. join the band. So I think she finally just said, oh, the hell with it. I'll join the band. And she um, she had been thinking about it for a while, unbeknownst to, to us, because she had been at this shop on 48th street. She had been putting down like $5 here, $5 there for months until yeah. it was her probably 20, 24th birthday, maybe. Mm-hmm. And her uh, parents gave her a hundred dollars and that was enough to, to pay off the guitar, wow. which was Great guitar, uh, uh, CB, uh, pre-CBS, I guess it's called Fender Precision. Does she still have it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. nice, nice, nice. I didn't know if like, yeah. you know, I know there's a couple of things that were sent off to like the, you know, Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame and that sort of thing. So I didn't know, but she still has that. That's great because yeah. it's a yeah, giant no, base. She still has this one. And, and um, uh, it was a days of my life when she came into the, you know, walked into the door of the loft holding this guitar. Mm-hmm. She still didn't. She still didn't have an amplifier, but that was okay. <laughs> Did she know how to play it? Well, well no she, she taught herself. Okay. You know, a lot of people think that David taught Tina how to play, but if you knew David the way I know David, you would know that he didn't teach Tina to play. <laughs> yes, he he gave her some tips, I think, and, and said, you know, this is this is this and this is that but she taught herself to play Mm. and her heroes were james jameson from the the motown band and carol Kay, and uh and i kept showing her uh this this album by susie quattro Mm. which had susie's picture on the front playing the bass and looking really cool Uh uh-huh that is amazing Um, yeah um so she she was a fast learner. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, and you know, and so you know, you guys got engaged during this whole like tour and you got married and you had children and meanwhile Tina Weymouth is your wife where like half the world is in love with her, <laughs> you know. I mean, you made little, you know, hints here and there about you know kind of people randomly coming in but i mean it's it's i mean she is is just how rude she's a glorious woman she really is so 
Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I... First of all, you know, Jason and I were talking, I'm like, is this like a very unique situation within for as long as you guys have been together, 42 years, um, yeah. within like this rock and roll band and whatnot, but to be as popular and as big as you are, you know, um, how was it for you with all these, you know, men just like beelining past you and be like, where's Tina, <laughs> you know, and then what's your secret? Like what, what keeps you guys going? What's your secret for love? What, what? Yeah. Well, well, let's see. Uh, what, <laughs> so we'll go with the first what, part first. How'd you fend off all the dudes? That's <laughs> oh, easy. I, I, you know, I never really had to fend off the dudes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always felt pretty secure in my, uh, you know, marriage with Tina yeah. after we were married. Before sure. we were married, I was maybe a little bit concerned from time to time about, you know, uh, because uh, she did have a, lo a lot of people who, uh, let's say, appreciated her. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, but none as, who appreciated her as much as I did. Yeah. And she figured that out. I can appreciate she, that on a much smaller scale. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, there was that, but, um, and, and, you know, uh, when somebody like Dee Dee Ramone or, or even Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys makes a beeline for Tina, you know, it's because he, uh, you know, is, Hi, you know, highly, highly attracted <laughs> and, uh, you know, interested in talking to her. Mm -hmm. But uh, fortunately for me, Tina was always super cool with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, well, that's what she, you know, she comes across in, in, as, you know, it was just, it was you two and you were solid and you guys were in love and like, she's a badass bass player and really confident and cool and whatnot, but like, but you're her man. And so cool. Dee Dee Ramone and whoever, I, there was a few of them that just cracked me up. I was just, <laughs> you're like, yeah, oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's mine, so it's fine. But um, and yeah. then I guess, what's your secret to staying in love, keeping in love, and like, and you know, what keeps uh, your fire burning? I think it's important to uh, to uh, not forget to be romantic. Like, even though it might be a cliche, send roses on on uh, Valentine's Day. You know, red ones, mm -hmm. and uh, make it a dozen, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, don't forget the chocolate and, um, Valentine's go, is my favorite, <laughs> you know, go places, uh, just for the hell of it for fun, you know, take a trip to, uh, you know, Jamaica or something like that and, and just have some fun together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's also important to, uh, keep a good sense of humor and, uh, laugh, laugh at her jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laughter is definitely. Does she laugh at your jokes? Yeah, yeah. Is she laughing at yours? Sometimes she does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one of my big questions, like I was thinking about, like, well, you know, what am I gonna say? Was like, what I can't I'm racking my brain. I I'm not sure if I can think of another husband and wife couple that well, are bandmates. You know, uh, is that a thing? What's it uh, like being with your wife in your band? Yeah, there's not very many, really. Uh, 
There, there must be people out there that I don't know about. Well, I can't think of any. But mm-hmm. um, one, uh, he's not in. She's not in his band. But somebody told me that little Stephen and his wife have been married a very long time. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm not, the only one I can think of is Stevie Nicks in, uh, the, what's his name from Fleetwood and Mac, but that didn't, yeah, that, that didn't, didn't work go so out. well. No, no. <laughs> songs written about that relationship. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you guys are starting to really propel, like, so, you know, uh, you're out of college, you're in, you know, CBGBs, you're really starting to take off. Um, and there were two, quotes that you had or two things you had said in the book one was earlier in the book and one was later in the book and you know I was speaking to you last night for a minute about just how both of those made me pause and sit down and write them down and then I didn't really realize like how they connected afterwards so I'm going to read those and I would like to know like you know what your thoughts on that so while recording your first album in 77 you said we were celebrating our sorry we were celebrating on our own everyday lives philosophically reaching for a higher level of expression, something that was far greater than the sums of its parts. Well, two years later, you had already really started to branch out to other musicians and your styles and to add to your music. And while you were creating that song, Izimba, am I saying that right? Izimba? Izimbra. Okay. Izimbra. Thank you. Um, You said we were rock musicians who were looking for a way out of what had become a very predictable formula for playing and performing rock and roll. So I find that those are connected, but in two really different mm, parts of your career. But what, what do those statements mean to you now? Well, uh, we, we were, we were trying in, in our own way without si- sounding too pretentious about it. We were trying to raise the bar for ourselves mm-hmm. um, and challenge ourselves to, to do something that, that uh, well, as Tina once said on American Bandstand to Dick Clark, we want to make our mark in music history. Nice. So, and that was really what it was that we, yeah. we wanted to make our mark in music history and, uh, and we believed that popular music could be a fine art if you treat it like a fine art. Mm. You act like a fine artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's, goes beyond just mere entertainment. I'm not knocking the entertainers in any way because it's really good if you can be a good entertainer. Yeah. But, but uh, it was something, it was some next level business. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, really. And so, and, you know, and while this was happening, so, you know, as this, this, this is happening for you guys, you know, you're creating these new sounds, you're, um, um, you're starting to hear yourself on the radio and, and whatnot. So what, what was it like? Like, what, did you have like this aha moment or did you have one moment in particular where you were like, holy shit, we're famous. Like we did it. Like, is, was there like one moment like that or did it just sort of like slowly kind of ease up or all of a sudden it's just, you know, I mean, cause when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, we're all humans on the earth doing the same thing. But yeah. obviously everybody has these very different, you know, and yeah. you 
got to be a rock star. So, <laughs> you know, was yeah. there like a well, moment where you were like, oh, wow, this is really happening? And like, is there anybody in particular that really surprised you as a fan? Maybe somebody from the music industry or an actor or anything like that? Uh-huh. Um, we were very fortunate with Talking Heads and also Tom Tom Club. Our, 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 we, we, um, we got a recognition very quickly. Uh, with Talking Heads, it was really remarkable. It's like we played a couple of shows and we had our picture on the front page of the Village Voice. Mm-hmm. And if you lived in New York in those days, the Village Voice was, you know, the Bible every yeah. week. That's what that's told you what was happening and where to go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, so there was that. And then and then and then we were recognized by the New York Times. A guy named John Rockwell wrote about us for the New York Times around that same time. And, you know, we'd only played like uh, We'd only been playing for a couple of months. This is all and, at CBGB's. Uh, this is even before you tours or yeah. anything like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean- at CBGB. So, so uh, things happened for us very quickly, and uh, um, I guess, I guess when we started uh, getting these uh, things like a best record of the year and th- uh, from various critics. Um, I guess it was at that point that I thought, wow, we're really doing it. You know, what mm-hmm. we wanted to do, we're really doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think um, for some members of the, ba- of the band, they, uh, the pressure to excel was, you know, they felt the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you're, when you're a musician, it's important to get enough sleep. And I don't think we get enough sleep. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I definitely hear you on that one. Um, so one of the things that was really interesting to me was that, you know, I mean, I feel like you guys are really known for creating this new wave sound and the post-punk era and whatnot. And, um, but it's almost like it's forgotten, or at least I forgot anyway, about how much, uh, Tom Tom Club with Genius of Love and whatnot really also influenced the early stages of hip hop, um, which was very much coming from these black neighborhoods and whatnot, which you guys lived in, in those areas. So, you know, um, to have your music influence these two huge pieces of pop music, I guess pop or popular music. Yeah, I guess pop music. Um, I think they created a genre of music because of the talking. Heads. Right? Yeah, it's like new wave, new new wave, new wave. Yeah, new wave. Yeah, yeah. So no one sounds like the talking. Heads. No, 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 no. No one no. sounds like you guys. But then there was. I think and I was right. Like fifty-seven times, Genius of Love has been sampled for you know different oh, hip hop. Quite quite a few times. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't just hip hop either. It was also R and B. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, People like uh, Destiny's Child, mm, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I you think know, you guys put out some of the most that type of R and B. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what were you saying? I was gonna say I think you guys put out some of the most danciest of dance music of all time. That's the best. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. It doesn't matter what you're into. Mm-hmm. Once you get going, I start boogieing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 
Thank you very much. Uh, we, we, we tried to be uh, uh, like the kind of, with Tom Tom Club, we tried to be the uh, kind of band that would be good at a party. You know, <laughs> you succeeded. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing, too. It's, you know, what like it was after was a remain in light that um, 79 years. All right, we're going to get ready. We're going to to um, we need to write another uh, or, you know, start this other album. And uh, no, sorry. So right after remain in light. You guys, uh, so David and Jerry were going to go do something solo and you and Tina were kind of like, uh, what are we going to do? Because like the financial backing wasn't there. And, she, but she had been, and probably, I'm assuming as you, you mentioned a lot about her with the hip hop influence, the RB and whatnot. Um, and how, uh, you know, she went out and sort of pulled these pieces back in. And then you guys created Tom Tom Club, which turned into this gold album, which, yeah. you know, at one point you're like, oh, are we going to keep going? And then all of a sudden you have a gold album and it's not a Talking Heads album, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh. How did that end up, uh, you know, going for you guys? And I guess in, in with David and Jerry as well. Well, uh, I, our record did better than theirs did. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. Right. But, but, but um, uh, it was good. It, it, the success of of Tom Tom Club, which was, you know, a very pleasant surprise to everybody. And a, a lot of people didn't realize that Tom Tom Club had anything to do with talking heads mm. uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Then the, the word eventually got out, but um, the record was already a hit and nobody knew. Um, but uh, it, it, I think it, it, when we came back, when, when the four of us came back to, work with talking heads again. Uh, I think, uh, there was some, some new respect for Tina and I, and, and, uh, you know, um, I, I think, I think it helped. It actually helped get the band motivated again. Mm -hmm. Cause you would be immediately able to have this success and, and without an ego around in a way, there's a lot of that, you know, it was tricky. It seemed like, yeah, there, there, you know, David was not happy when he found out that we had a gold record mm-hmm. before and we had one and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't like that. But hey, we, we came right back to Talking Heads to make another Talking Heads record because we love Talking Heads yeah. and that was, our, that was our mothership. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I really, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'd spoken to you before this about this and I know that things were really tricky and the breakup was hard and, you know, it, it, I feel like when you, you know, talk, talking, he- uh, talking heads, there's this big elephant in the room of like, how'd they break up? Why are they together? Are you going to go on tour again? You know, all these sort of, you know, pieces, yeah. but you really handled this acknowledging um, him and his presence with a lot of integrity. It was very... Um, and it wasn't like you had like jabs throughout the, but nothing to do with that. You really were just like very practical situations of how some of his aloofness, we'll say, really affected uh-huh. you guys when you were, um, you know, in social situations and and that piece. And I really, uh, I, I would imagine that was really difficult. And I commend you on that one because I know that it, that's... Well, thank uh, you very much. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a difficult thing when Talking Heads stopped working together. Mm-hmm. It was... 
it was just silly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we, 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 let me put it this way. We still had to get it on one way or another. So, so now, now I'm, I'm writing books. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I imagine being in a band is very hard. Well, yeah, yeah, especially if it's everyone not... everyone in the same direction and mm. the same focus and the mm-hmm. same everything. I mean, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I go to shows. I don't yeah. play shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, well, I, I think we're very fortunate in that we're all alive. All four members of the band are still alive. Uh, you know what? It's the same thing. You know, I'm like with my band, Fish, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. same thing. It's just I can't, I can't fathom, you know, fathom it going any other way um so to to pull in that we're kind of running out of time i have so many more questions but it's all right we can talk about it. so to um to pull in the fish piece so you know as I, I think i was saying before about you know cities is a big piece of fish's music now and as well, well thank you for thank you for sending that i i, I watched that video oh did, were you able to see the oh good 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 yeah, yeah I, 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 I liked what they did with cities it's a uh, uh, interesting take on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Funky. Yeah, I sent the Magnaball uh, City story. Yeah, yeah. Good, good version. Nothing can burn down the <laughs> yes, house. Like yes. Talking heads yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then that's the same thing with the, you know, Cross Eyed and Painless, too. It's another one that just kind of yep. gets going. And, uh, but I was so my yep. favorite moment, which I did send it on you. I, I just sent it to you right beforehand. So if you, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it, but was um, from SPAC. And I want to say it was 2012. Psycho killer. Yes. When they busted. So they were in the middle of this Brought song. my friend back from the dead, actually. <laughs> yeah. <He> was <laughs> resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> not kidding. They were in the middle of this song, tube, And then all of a sudden you just all of a sudden, you know, hear don't. Don't, and what, what? Like our friend, like I said, he was like super sick. He's on the ground. He just like pops up. Oh, are, are you, are you familiar with um, any of Fish's music? Have you, have you ever given him a listen? Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we worked with Steve Lillywhite who, who did some of some work with Fish. Uh, uh, I'm, I don't know the name of the album, but, um, but uh, I also, I bought, one of my one of my kids' friends, like many years ago, said, "Chris, do you know this band Fish?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Fish." And he said, "Well, they they covered your uh, album Remain in Light down in Atlanta." Yeah, and uh, and I have a CD of it. You want to hear it? And so, uh, what'd you so think? I actually went out and bought the. Uh, <laughs> You know, the show. That's awesome. They had, they had it for sale, and I thought they did a great job. Yeah, uh, you know, I I was favorably impressed. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because uh, um, some I'd misinterpreted something that somebody sent me because I had found uh, there was a 2001. You uh, joined an album called Sharing in the Group, which was celebrating the music of Fish, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, and Tom Tom Club covered Sand. And so when somebody sent this message to me, I was super confused and I texted Tom and I'm like, I thought you wrote sand. He's like, yeah, we did. And I'm like, well, do you remember this? And it took him a minute. He was like, oh my goodness, that's right. It took, you know, he's like, they're covering us now. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that from a while back or whatever, but you know. Yeah, we were were invited to be part of that record. Mm -hmm. And so we said, sure, why not? Well, Next summer, when they're on tour, if you and Tina are around, <laughs> I would love to bring you guys to your first show. Can we do this? 
I'll be in touch with your lo- publisher. <laughs> okay. We, we, I oh think you have God. my email address. I you do have your email God. address. Oh, I'm definitely, yeah, no, if we can really make this happen, that would be the greatest thing in the world if we'd have the best time. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So I've seen some of your videos. I think you would have a great time coming to hang out with us. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely would. We could put disguises on you so you're not bothered, you know, dreadlocks. We'll and, just you know, carry your don't have to worry about that. We, yeah. <laughs> we're just regular people. I know, I know. Um, so I'm going to, like, I have like seven questions. We only have a couple minutes left. I'm going to sort of rapid fire questions at you if you're cool with that. <laughs> okay. Right? All right, fantastic. <laughs> so right. Um, if you had a time machine and you could visit your 20 year old self, what advice would you um what advice would you give? What do you wish you might have known then but you didn't know? Don't change a thing. Ah, Fantastic. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um do you have a uh like a specific approach or a goal when you sit down at your kit and what do you listen to while you're playing? I know that's not really the best probably with rapid fire answering on that one but <laughs> Well, um when, when I'm playing with a band, you mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, well, I try to listen to the whole band, mm-hmm. but usually uh, in rehearsal, we'll, I'll start off just Tina and myself, and then other people make their contribution and add in. So, uh, so I'm always conscious of, of of the bass, the bottom end, but I'm I'm also listening to and taking cues from various guitar parts or keyboard parts or scratching mm, that we, mm-hmm. we have and uh and you know we've worked with some amazing percussionists uh abdu Mboop and steve scales for example and uh, and uh, when i when i'm playing with them i'm i'm locking in with them as well as tina it's really it's really wonderful yeah now were these something like when you first started introducing drummers in I believe I want to say it was remain in light because it was one of those that you kind of like making up as you go sort of thing that's when you really brought that um African you know pull into it now did you have the same drummers from remain in light with the big band as you did when you went and did the movie the the um Uh, no the the uh, the percussionist on remain in light other than myself Mm -hmm. was uh Jose Rossi Mm -hmm. And Jose was a session guy in New York, originally from Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, really amazing. Mm -hmm. He played on the record on on a number of songs, uh, but he didn't play live with us. When when it came to playing live, we got Steve Scales. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Steve is the guy that's in Stop Making Sense. Okay. He, he, He worked with us for many years, and then... <clears throat> and also with Tom Tom Club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason? It kind of, uh, it's kind of one of the questions I had. Uh, my number one question was, wh- what are some of your favorite bands? Like, what do you put on to listen to? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Uh, well, I, I have um, very eclectic tastes and uh, all kinds of stuff, but lately I've been listening to vintage reggae and calypso. Wow. Nice. I'm also very impressed with the new Bob Dylan album, I must say. Uh, I haven't heard uh, of it. I was a Bob Dylan fan from 
from Highway 61 revisited that album. And, and uh, you know, to me, he's, he's, he's this, this new album is right up there with the very best of his I feel his like he's work. been sitting on some of those songs for, I don't know, 40 yeah, years. Yeah, so, somebody said it. It's been eight years since uh, his last album, and he he might have taken eight years to write this one. You oh, know? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. One second. Okay. What advice would you give to aspiring drummers in the early stages of their careers? Well, uh, my advice is to always... Uh, Your bass player. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, <laughs> um, first of all, <laughs> yeah, be nice to the bass player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but also, um, I, I I think it's important to really listen to the song carefully and understand what what the song needs, and, and not just uh, don't try to show off your skills unless unless the song calls for that. Mm. Just, just be cool. That's mm. what I say. Don't, don't try to impress people with your uh, sticksmanship. Uh, listen to the song and make the song better. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like the general out there. Yeah, you right? the whole thing. It's like mm -hmm. a catcher on a baseball field. Hold, yeah, Hold, holding it all down there. Um, yeah. So what's next for you guys? Are you like Talking Heads reunion or Tom Dumb Club reunion or what are you guys doing? <laughs> what do you have? Coming what, on tour with us. Right, yeah, coming on tour with, on fish tour with us, you know, those things. <laughs> That'd be fun. We yeah. could do that. We would. We'd have a great uh, time. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, you know, we're of a certain age now. So, and, and this whole COVID-19 thing is such a drag, mm -hmm. but, but we're thinking we, uh, we might go into our studio and do something electronic, just the two of us. Interesting. Like, you know, like Kraftwerk does, uh, synthesizers, drum machines, uh, totally electronic, something we haven't done before. Yeah. And something that, you know, it would be new to us. And it would also be, uh, uh, if we had some success with it, which is very unlikely. because uh, it, Manifest, it, it, manifest. Very a, likely. Don't you have a <laughs> DJ in the house? Right. <laughs> yeah, we do have a DJ in the house, and but uh, we could, um, you know, instead of having ten airplane tickets, there's only two airplane tickets. Instead <laughs> of having six Perfect. hotel rooms, there's only one hotel room. <laughs> yeah, like that. You know, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of trying to think of the up points of downsizing. Right. But, but, well, but we, love, we love our band, Tom Tom Club. They're wonderful people. I mean, we adore them. So I could be completely making this up. And the <laughs> next thing we do will be a big Tom Tom Club stage show. When was the last time you guys went on tour? Uh, six years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a long time. But uh, for a couple of those years, I was writing a book. And, Yes. And I'm Tina's sure you can dust off the kit. You'll be fine. It's right behind you. Jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's, it's been wonderful talking to you all. Yeah, yeah. It really has, Chris. And, and thank you. I just, um, I've been excited about this. What month are we in? Are we in 
around like who like, knows yeah a good six it's, months now it's gonna, really. be, it's gonna be july yeah 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 so i've been really excited about this and um just to connect with you and just to thank you thank you because my life is is all about the music and you are a huge huge piece of that so i really appreciate oh, it well, yeah thank mm-hmm. you no doubt about it much mm-hmm. respect and and Give give my best regards to those guys in fish when you see them. I will do that. You know, we're they're gonna. You know what? It's, it's, we're getting steps there. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> if you think I'm not gonna name drop, you're a sorely mistaken. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was so nice yes. to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, you, please. I, yeah, and please tell Tina. Um, I said hello. Uh, I will. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm looking forward to her book too. So we'll be in touch. And when Fish goes back on tour, I want to bring you guys to you for a show. Thank you so much. I think we're not going to have, have a great top. summer. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will you catch you. And yeah. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye for now. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of Female Centrics. And we want to really, really thank, of course, uh, Chris France for being everything and joining us. You know, just this amazing influence on all the music pretty much that we listen to and uh, just in general and for being so kind for sharing his time with us. And so all of you guys should go and check out the book. So July 21st, it comes out, Remain in Love. It's a fantastic book all about the beginnings of Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club and him and Tina's beautiful love. So, and again, I want to thank Tom Marshall and Jesse Braun, Zach Berwick, Ari, uh, Ari Fink and uh, Stephanie Jenkins for helping out with adding in questions. And Jason, thank you so much for adding in questions too and being part of this. Yeah, what a sweetheart. Um, I feel like I uh, can relate to him on a one, 1,000th scale, but it's like uh, being involved in something with their wife. <laughs> uh, hence what I'm talking about right now. Uh, I mean, we're not in a band and... We not didn't create enough. a genre of music thing, you know, or play yeah. CBD. You said groupies. <laughs> Shut up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I love you and I'm glad to be here and he's a sweetheart and I can't wait to bring him to a fish show. Yes, and, we're uh, going to do it. Talking heads is the best. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So thank you very much for listening. And remember that we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network. There's tons of new podcasts that are coming out with us. And uh, so if you want to check them out, please go to OsirisPod.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the flip side, guys. Peace.